Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you've got your Bibles, open with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to, beginning, we're going to begin our journey um, in our messages from here on out towards Christmas, towards um, what I just talked about that particular Sunday. But, um, but in the lead up, it's a really exciting time to look at Scripture and look at some of the promises, the fulfillment of God's Word uh, expressed through the incarnation, the, the reality of, of Jesus who was born um, to us and has become our Savior. But it's exciting to, to preach some of these messages in one particular text I'm excited about today. Um, I want to talk to you. I want to show you... Um, something in scripture that's really powerful that I think really applies um, to us today. And the great thing about the word of God is it always applies to our lives, which is pretty cool. So Luke chapter two, starting in verse 22, this is a story about um, um, Jesus' parents just after he was born, bringing him to the temple um, for the customary thing at the time for the people of God, but they encounter a man named Simeon. You may have heard this story before. You maybe have not seen it before, but it's a powerful story and, uh, and lines up in so many different ways. But it says this in verse 22, and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, I just want to stop here for a moment. This was customary for the firstborn to be dedicated to to, to God, um, and that was established all the way back in Exodus. But I want to say something that's important here is that, that, that um, Mary and Joseph didn't have to bring Jesus to the temple, okay? They didn't have to. You could bring an offering. You could bring an offering as a substitute. You didn't actually have to bring the child, but they did, okay? So we go on, we go on. it says, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the firstborn, uh, opens the womb, shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And then in verse 25, something shifts. They start talking about a man. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the, the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child, is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. I want to preach a message today. It's the title, Worth the Wait. Worth the Wait. 
Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Father, we're so grateful that it speaks life into us. And Father, we're so thankful that around this time as we gather in this month that we can review and Lord, just learn something new. Be renewed, Lord, by your word today. I ask that you would bless your people with your word. Bless the kids as they're in all in kids today. And Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Tradition is a great servant, but a horrible leader. Traditions that serve a purpose serve. They serve a purpose. They're not meant to lead. And I love this time of year because there are certain traditions that we engage in as believers and start to look at, start to think about, start to move in. But the point is never let the tradition be what's in control. Let the tradition serve what God is doing. And all throughout the Bible, we see a people that are accustomed to this tradition. The people of God would have certain feasts at certain time of years. They would travel to go to certain things. And this was customary for God's people that they would live according to a prescribed rhythm that God had given them. We are still called to do that today. Amen. That God has actually called us in our lives to live according to us an ancient sacred rhythm that he has established for his people. But they ultimately, the traditions that is, serve a purpose, which is to look at, to follow Jesus Christ. This is one of those times of year where we do that. You know, Christianity is not a formula for success. It's a relationship that's alive. And so when we think about these things and we come around this season of Advent, which I'm going to talk about in a moment, let's not put the cart before the horse. Let's not get things out of order. Let's remember that our relationship with Jesus is a relationship that's alive. It's not a formula for success because that's religion. And we don't have a religion. We have a relationship. And that's what's powerful, again, about this time of year. There's an ancient rhythm, a flow, a way that we, that we do things, and, God, and Christ's followers are no different. We don't just have a calendar, we have a relationship and a rhythm. Advent represents the four Sundays leading into Christmas, but I believe these are four Sundays, not of tradition, but they're four Sundays that could change your life. Some of the themes of Advent today, we're going to look at hope, but there's peace, love, and joy. But the word Advent just simply means arrival. That's what that word means, arrival or coming. Now, let's remember that at the arrival we're talking about, Advent is Christ's advent. Jesus' coming, Jesus' arrival, the long-awaited Savior of the world. And I believe this Christmas time, if you'll allow God to do it, that it'll be so deep and meaningful that it'll be the best Christmas you've ever had. Because two things can happen. The first is that you'll see Jesus in a whole new way. And I've done this every single Christmas time. I have tried my best to, to, to allow God to show me through the scriptures a different side to Jesus Christ. And as we do that, what happens is then we're changed because we get a greater understanding of our relationship to him. So once we see him in a new way, then we see ourselves in a different way related to him. And that's the point of this time of year. And it's my burden as your pastor that this Christmas time you will surrender an even greater sense of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's not just celebrate a holiday. 
Let's surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ this Christmas time and see what he does. And that's my prayer, that as we look at some of these themes, as we go through these messages, that God will do what God does. So I want to talk today about the waiting, the waiting, waiting for hope, maybe a silent waiting when you think about what this looks like and what we see in Scripture. You know, in our Bibles, all we have to do is turn one page over from Malachi to Matthew, and that's it. We go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, but for the people of God, the turning of that one page represented 400 years of waiting. 400 years of no prophetic voice, 400 years of no prophetic messenger. They literally just waited. Could you imagine 400 years? What that would do? What that would, what, what that would be like? I don't think we could even, even comprehend. I mean, some of us struggle to wait four minutes at Starbucks. <laughs> 400 years of what seemed like nothing. Seemed like silence. Could just imagine what the people of God would, be, would have been asking, would have been thinking, would have been questioning about, would have questions like this. What happened to God? Has God abandoned us? Was he ever really with us? Was my faith and my trust in him just a waste of time? But just like we turn the page into Matthew, they, the people of God at the time, John the Baptist, in a moment, everything changed. And the waiting was over. God's timing, exactly perfect. And in one moment, the night sky lit up over, over Bethlehem. And in a very basic setting, in a lowly setting, the wait was over. See, I struggle to comprehend 400 years, but when I think of Simeon, I can relate. Because I can relate to a man's journey, someone going through life, and here we see an example in someone's life of the waiting. The waiting for Jesus says in verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, look at it, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Other translation says for the comfort of Israel. And it says, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Maybe you're waiting on a promise today. Maybe you're in here and you're in a season of waiting right now. Maybe God has spoken to you. Can I just encourage you, just like Simeon, there are ways that you can wait and it can be worth the wait. So I want to look at his story and I've got three points for us today. Something a little different. Point number one, God makes us wait. Now, not all the time, but sometimes. And I would actually go step out on a limb and say that in the life of a believer, there will be times of waiting. I mean, there are times where God is just, that's it. He just moved in my life and it, it, that happened in my life. That was salvation for me. I was radically saved in a moment. All of a sudden I went from being uh, not knowing God to knowing God. And in a moment he did it. He didn't make me wait for that. But there are times when God does make us wait. It's fun, isn't it? <laughs> but this is fundamentally true of God as we see in human history, but especially salvation history. God seems to have no issues with making us wait. 
I mean, I'll just give you a few examples, but Abraham, he had to wait. It says in Hebrews 6, verse 15, and thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Joseph had to wait. Genesis 50, he had to wait in a prison. Moses, Caleb, and Joshua had to wait 40 years because of the disobedience and the unbelief of the people. Job had to suffer through the waiting. David, King David, from the time that he was anointed by Samuel to the time that he would grow up and it would, there was plenty of time that between that moment and when King Saul was rejected by God and he became king, he had to wait. And then Jesus, even Jesus, the Son of God, also waited until a certain age to go and be baptized by John and begin his ministry. That's Luke 3. Luke 3 says, Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased. Verse 23, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age. Jesus knew there was time that needed to pass. Jesus knew there was things that God was doing. And at the right time, he would come about. I love you to write this down. God is unhurried in bringing to pass his purposes in the world. You need to know that today. God is unhurried in bringing to pass his purposes in the world, which means that he's unhurried in bringing about his purposes in your world as well. Sometimes I feel like it's just, it's just human nature. We feel like we can rush God. Like my kids, they, they try their best to rush me. And the more that they try to rush me, are you like this? The more I wait. You're like, Dad, Dad, can we go do this? Yeah, we'll go in a minute. Dad, Dad, can we go? Yeah, just, yep. just as soon as I finish watching this game. Yep. But it's something about us is we feel like, man, if we maybe even, here's one, maybe we do a little bit more. Pray a bit more. You know, read a bit more scripture that that somehow will twist God's arm into making the weight be a bit less. We think these, we, we act this way, but here's the truth today is God is unhurried in bringing to pass his purposes in the world. And we see that here with God bringing Jesus into the world and Simeon seeing him with his own eyes. Let's go back to our text. Simeon had to wait. Now, presumably, we don't know how long he had to wait, but he had to wait. Presumably, a, a large part of his adult life. Because God spoke to him, but then he had to wait. And God moved, but he had to wait. I could just imagine Simeon's life. I could just imagine what, what, what changed in his life after he'd heard from God that God was going to show him um, the Christ. Imagine the way that he lived his life after getting that promise. Every time he went to church, went to temple. Could you imagine? Every time he's moving around the courts, every time he's showing up to the feast, every time he's meeting someone new, you could just think, Man, what is God doing? Could this today, could today be the day? See, I believe that's how we can live our lives when God has spoken to us. When God has given us a promise, when God has said, hey, I'm going to bring this to pass in your life. We can live with that same faith-filled expectation to say, could today be the day? I know it's just a Wednesday, but man, could today be the day? 
You know, as a kid, I hated waiting for anything. I remember as a kid, there was this one particular figure in my life. I was around 12, 13 years of age. My year seven headmaster was Mr. Paulak, and this guy was scary. <laughs> scary. He, he, he had this look like he would, he would raise his voice, you know, when he would have to, I mean, we, 120 boys, like he, he had a tough job and he would just raise his voice, but he would have this look of terror at you and it just made you conform in a moment. And I had this like, what seemed like holy fear of Mr. Paulak. But he was also my rugby coach. And he taught me so much on the rugby field and I loved him for that, but I also had this fear of him. I had this holy fear and reverence for my year seven headmaster. But there was a time in that stage of my life where I was just, I was in a hurry. I wanted to be the best at this. I wanted to get better at this. I wanted to do this. And I remember one time he just looked at me and he said this. He said, it will happen in good time in good time. And that's how God is with us sometimes. He says, I know you want this. I know this is what you're after. But God makes us wait and in good time or in his time. Galatians 4 says in verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, when the fullness of time had come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Sometimes God will make us wait. But number two, while we wait, he's working. This is what you've got to know today. If you're in a waiting season, if you're, if you're waiting on God to move, to do something, to bring something forth in your life, he is working while we wait. There is purpose in the waiting. For Simeon, he was a man on a mission. It says that he was righteous and he was devout. Those are active things to the people of God. Like we are righteous in Christ Jesus. Once you say yes to Jesus, you are in right standing with God. It, would, it was different for the people of God before Jesus. To be righteous meant it was dynamic. You had to do stuff. You had to have an activity to you. You had to have a lifestyle that lined up with certain commandments. You had to live in a certain way. So it says when he was righteous and devout, it meant he was serious about his faith. It meant that he did what was required. He lived in a different way. But we've got to understand that even in the midst of that, that, that God works while we are waiting for him to move. See, the world thinks that when, when nothing's happening, nothing's happening. See, this is, a this is a difference between the spiritual and the physical. This is a difference between eyes that are natural and eyes that are spiritual. Come on, somebody. We know because the world says, well, nothing's happening with your life. You're not doing anything right now, but you're actually praying. The world looks at our lives and says, well, you seem to just not really be, there's not a lot going on in your life, but you're actually waiting on God. There's a whole lot happening in the spirit realm because we know that God's working while we wait. Jesus actually said it in those words, John 5 and verse 17. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. Listen to me, friend. You haven't been forgotten. We serve a God who remembers his covenant commitment and his promises to his people. That doesn't mean for a second that you're excluded from that. You haven't been abandoned. In fact, because of the cross and the resurrection, now you've been brought near. You haven't been missed in the generations. God hasn't skipped you. You are now, through Jesus Christ, part of the generations. 
You know, a big fear this time of year, I believe, in people is abandonment or a sense of loss that maybe God's forgotten about me. Can I just encourage you, you haven't lost your place in God's kingdom. You might feel, you might feel displaced in the world, but in the kingdom of God, you have a place. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And while you wait, God's working. So whatever you're waiting on today, can I encourage you, take courage today that he's working while you wait and it's worth the wait. There's three quick ways I want to tell you about how he works while we wait. The first is he works his way to us. Okay, sometimes it takes a minute. Sometimes it takes the breaking down of walls. God will even use a crisis to get to us. But he gets to us and he confronts us and he gets in front of us and he gets our attention. But then he doesn't just stand there. He speaks to us. And if we'll only surrender and allow him to get close, he can get to us. That's the first way. Then he works in us. And this is the the cool part is he actually changes us while we wait. He changes us and he comes in and we begin to conform and become like him and transform into the image that he created for us. And this is why stewardship is so important because sometimes we want things right away, but God actually wants something for us on the inside before we have something on the outside. And the pathway here is to allow him to work in you. And if you're in here today and you're waiting on something from God, what are you learning right now? What is God showing you right now? Maybe he's showing you something about his ways. But the Father's always ready to teach us his ways. He works in us, but then he works through us. The purpose in the waiting is that the message of hope would not just come to us, but, the, but then would go through us. That illumination that happens in your life, that shining light that's come into your world would then begin to shine so brightly that it shines through you into someone else's world. And that you would go from being a spectator to a participant. That you would go, this is God's plan for your life. That you would go from someone who knows about hope to someone that shares the hope. That you would go from someone that was sitting on the sidelines that God looked at, spoke to, and changed your life. But then at some point in some part of the process that you would get out of your seat, that you would go down onto the field and you would start playing in this game called life and you would share the message, distribute the hope. That's the power of waiting. Even while you're waiting, you don't have to sit down. You can stand up. You can get involved. You can be part of what God is doing. This is what Peter called the divine nature that we partake in. 2 Peter 1 and verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Praise God for that. I don't think on this side of heaven we can truly understand what that means but we can certainly try we can certainly allow that hope to emanate through us we can certainly take the car that's on our seat and give it to a co-worker in the in, in faith and say hey I don't know what you're doing on Christmas Eve but my church is my church is having church all day it'd be so cool if you came because that's when hope 
start to work through you and change people's lives. So God makes us wait. And while we wait, you've got to know He's working. And number three, He's close while we wait. You know, here's the revelation of that passage, and this is what I believe it actually means when we read the story of Simeon. Because there was this moment where he saw the Christ. He saw Jesus. The promise was fulfilled in his life. And what did he do? He didn't just see him from a distance and then walk the other way. You know what he did? He picked him up in his arms. He picked him up. He held him for himself. And then he prayed and he declared, now your servant can depart in peace because I've seen this light which will go to the Gentiles. This is the power of that passage for you and me. Every single one of us can hold Jesus for ourselves. We can literally pick up the gospel message. We can literally pick up Jesus for ourselves and behold Christ in our own lives and then we will be at peace. That's the purpose of that message. Simeon, he got to see Jesus with his natural eyes. You get to see Jesus with your spirit eyes and be completely changed, be completely at peace and be on your way to heaven. He's close, friend, and he's close right now. Would you stand with me? Lord, I just thank you right now that you're close in the waiting. And Father, I just thank you that we can also Hold Jesus that close in our own lives. And Lord, if it's in song, if it's in prayer, if it's in reading your word, if it's standing here and allowing your presence to change us, Lord, help us to be close right now. Father, let it help us to declare the same thing that Simeon declared, that we have seen with our spiritualized Jesus. And now we have peace in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed. <laughs>